Good morning. It's so good to see everyone here today. So thankful you've chosen to be with us. If you're a guest, we are thankful that you're here. I want you to know that you're always welcome here at the Midway Congregation. If you're looking for a place with which to worship and serve God, we want you to be a part of this congregation. As our elders announced back in the month of December of last year, we have a theme for the year, and it's simply entitled, The Greatest Questions Ever Asked. When I think about great questions in the Bible, I think about questions that God himself asked of people. And I think about questions that, that people ask God. And I think about questions that men who are inspired by the Spirit ask of people. And I think about questions that people ask of the men who are inspired of God. And what we want to do this year is to look at a number of those questions that are found in scriptures. And as we stated back in the day that when we, when we announced the theme, We'll be doing that on Sunday mornings. We'll be looking at some of the questions that you have on Sunday nights. And also this coming summer, when we have our summer series, we'll, we'll have uh, questions that are simply the why questions or some of the why questions of the Bible. And those who are speaking in our summer series will address those questions. But this morning, we're going to begin by looking at a question that was asked by God of a man who was on the earth. Now... As we begin our lesson this morning, I'm going to call out a name, and I want you to get a picture of that person fixed firmly in your mind. I want you to have a mental image of the person that we're talking about this morning. Now, are you ready? The name of the man that we're going to be talking about this morning is Moses. Now, have you got the picture of Moses in your mind? Maybe when you thought about Moses, you thought about that little baby who was floating in a basket in the river. Some of you may have thought about that. Some of the young folks who've studied about Moses, you may have thought about that, the little children and so forth. You think about Moses in that, from that standpoint. Some of you may have thought about Moses not as the baby, but as the young man who slays an Egyptian uh, taskmaster who is mistreating one of the Hebrews. And that's the reason, of course, that Moses had to leave, flee Egypt in the first place. He didn't want to uh, be killed by Pharaoh and and so he had to flee Egypt, uh, but that's one of the major scenes in the life of Moses. Some of you may have not thought about either one of those. You may have thought about a man who's standing on the mountainside looking at a bush that uh, is burning, but it doesn't burn up, that he goes to investigate. And so he's standing there in front of that bush. And some of you may have just thought of Charlton Heston when you thought about Moses. I don't know. Some of you who are younger may not know who Charlton Heston is and the Ten Commandment movie. But some of you may have the picture of Charlton Heston in your mind. But I've got another question for you this morning. When you thought about Moses, did you think about Moses having something in his hand? Did you think about that? Have Moses had something in his hand. Some of you may have thought about Moses holding the tablets of stone in his hands. We know that he went up on the mountain. We know that God himself carved the stones and put the inscriptions of what his commandments were, his ten commandments that he gave Moses, and Moses carried them off the mountain. We understand, of course, that Moses, when he saw that the children of Israel had sinned while he was gone up on the mountain, he threw them down and broke them. We know that he had to carve out the stones, take it back up on the mountain, and God would again give those Ten Commandments to him. But some of you may have thought about Moses holding those tablets of stone in his hands. But did you know that the Bible talks about Moses having something else 
in his hands. As a matter of fact, God is the one who asked the question of Moses, What is that in your hand? In the book of Exodus chapter 4, verse number 2. And you'll notice in that same verse that Moses replies and tells God what he had in his hand. Moses said, a staff. You may be reading from the King James Version. You may see that it says, a rod. But we know that Moses had something in his hand. Now standing there in front of God on that mountain as that bush burned and yet did not burn up, Moses was given a mission by God. We understand that. We know that he was told that he was to go back into Egypt. He was to lead God's people out of Egyptian bondage. We know that. In the book of Exodus chapter 3 at verse 10, God said, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. In verse number 11, we also remember probably that Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? You know, we understand, we know that Moses began to make excuses for not being the one who needed to go. Moses, Moses talked to God when God talked to him about his mission. Moses began to come up with everything evidently that he could think of as to why he should not be the one who was to go. But we know that God had chosen him and we know that God intended for him to go. One of the final things that Moses has to say is found in the book of Exodus chapter 4, verse number 1. The Bible said, Moses answered, But behold, they, the Israelites, that's who he's speaking about, will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. Uh, he said, here's my final thing. The people are not going to believe me when I tell them that you have sent me. It's at that point that God says, Moses, what is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? Now, verse 3 of Exodus chapter 4 goes on and says simply this. He said to, or Moses replied to staff, and he said to him, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground. And it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. Yes, sir, I understand. Me too. When the, when, the serpent, when the staff became a serpent, Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put your hand out and catch it by the tail. So he put his, out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. God said, here, throw it on the ground, I'll make it a snake. Moses, pick it up, and you can take this back, and you can show them, show the people of God, show the Israelites, the Hebrews who are in captivity with the Egyptians. He says, you can show them that they will believe that I have sent you. Many of us remember that Moses' staff turned into a serpent. But we don't remember very much else about that staff, do we? We, we remember the part about it becoming a snake and, and Moses, you know, going before the children of Israel with that. But do we realize that there are other times when Moses used that same staff? Look with me, if you will. Turn in your Bible to the book of Exodus. Look at chapter 9 at verse number 23. Exodus chapter 9, verse 23. The Bible says, Then Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven. 
And the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire ran down to the earth. And the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. Moses stretched out his staff. Uh, Look over in chapter 10 at verse number 13. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt. And the Lord brought an east wind upon the land. And all that day and all that night, when it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. Here we have another of the plagues, the second of the plagues that Moses used his staff to bring upon Israel or Egypt. Look again at the book of Exodus chapter 14, verse number 16. This is God speaking to Moses. He said, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. As they stood at the midst of the Red Sea, at the edge of the Red Sea, and the army of Pharaoh was approaching, and they were afraid because they were trapped, God tells Moses, he said, stretch out your hand and your staff over the sea, and it'll part. And we remember all of that. But going on in the book of Exodus chapter 17, verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff of the Lord with which you struck the Nile, and go. And behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it. And the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. It was with that same staff that Moses struck the rock and it provided enough water for millions of people, a couple of million people and their animals and the things that they needed. But we're not finished yet. Look again, still in the book of Exodus chapter 17. Look down at verse number 9. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men. Go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand up uh, on the top of the hill with the staff of the Lord in my hand. I will stand there. And if you go on down to verse number 11, you'll find that uh, the Bible says, whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. When you look, Moses used that staff. How many of us remember that battle, that great battle, when the day continued and, and, and the people of Israel fought? As long as Moses held up his hands, you had Aaron, you had her holding up his hands. Did you realize that Moses had his staff in his hand as well? You see, God said, what is that in your hand, Moses? And Moses simply said, it is a staff. Why was that staff so special? Why was the staff that was in the hand of Moses so special that he would turn it into a snake and that he would use it later to perform all of these various things? Why was it so powerful? Well, you see, it wasn't one thing. Look at verses 19 and 20. The Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who are seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife, and his sons, and had them ride on a donkey, and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. Look again at another passage 
And think about what is said in the book of Exodus chapter 17 at verse number 9 again. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and, that, and go out and fight Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And you see, the power was not in the staff. The power was in God. And God had taken the staff that was in Moses' hand that he had been using in herding his sheep or the sheep of his father-in-law. He took that staff, that staff that was in his hand, just a plain old stick. Moses had probably just cut it out of the, the woods. You know, we talk about here in, in Alabama going to the woods and cutting a piece of wood. And Moses had probably just done that. It wasn't something magical or special about that particular staff except for the fact that Moses had given it over to God. And it became the staff of God in the hand of Moses. That is the significance. That is what we see. Moses using what he had in his hand, but it is amplified by the power of God. Now you know what? Moses is not the only one. We might ask Shamgar, Shamgar, what is that in your hand? And Shamgar would say, well, it's just an ox goad, but it would be used as an invincible weapon to kill 600 Philistines, Judges chapter 3 at verse 31. We might, might ask David, David, what is that in your hand? And David would say, well, it's just a little sling that I've used. But God used it in the hand of David to kill a great giant, a nine-foot-tall giant who had defied the armies of the Lord, a man by the name of Goliath, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Jacob, what's that in your hands? And Jacob would say, well, it's just some tools. But God would use Jacob and the tools in his hand to dig a well that some 17 centuries later would refresh the one who brought the living water. For it's at the well of Jacob that we see Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman, John chapter 4, at verse number 6. Little boy, what is that in your hands? Oh, it's five loaves and two fish. But in the hand of Jesus, when it was given over to him, those five loaves and two little sardines could feed 5,000 men, plus the women and the children who were present on that day. Widow, what is that in your hand? Well, two mites, but those two mites were considered by Jesus to be more than what all the others had cast into the treasury. On and on and on we could go. What is that in your hand? Example after example in the Bible, God using these things. Or you see... The Lord can take the little things in our hands and make them big if we give them over to Him. Whatever it is in our hand, how big, how small, it makes no difference. Greatness in the God's sight is not dependent on the value that man attaches to the object. It's not dependent on the size of the thing. Greatness really depends on whether we're willing for a thing to be used for God's glory. Someone wrote this little poem, It's not what you do with a million, if riches you should air, uh, should air be your lot. 
But what you're doing at present with the dollar and quarter you've got. What is that in our hand that we have right now? You see, all of us, like Moses, have been given a mission. All of us have. Not a one of us who has not received that same mission from God. We have been given a mission by God. But what is that mission? I hope you were listening as Brother Brother Jairus read this morning from the book of John chapter 15. He read verses 1 through 8. I want to look at verses 1 and 2 though. Verses 1 and 2 say, I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes uh, that it might bear more fruit. Look at verse 8, John 15, verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. You know what? Christians, God's people, are to be fruit bearers. That's what we're to be. That's the mission that God has given us, to be fruit bearers in His kingdom. God gave us that mission, just like He gave the mission to Moses to go and lead the children out of of Egypt. God has said to us, to me and to you, to every one of us who's here, who's a Christian, God said, hey, I want you to be a fruit bearer. In my kingdom. What does that mean? When I'm bearing fruit for God, what does that mean? Well, what kind of fruit am I to bear? One kind is winning souls. I want you to notice very carefully Romans chapter 1 at verse 13. I won't take time to read all of it. But Paul talks about going to the, to the Romans so that he can have some harvest, the English Standard Version says. If you're reading that from the King James Version, so that I might have some fruit among you. What do you mean? Paul, when you go and you preach, what are you doing? Well, I'm reaping the fruit. I'm winning souls. I'm converting them to Christ. But I am bearing fruit. I'm winning fruit. And so sometimes when we're talking about bearing fruit in the kingdom of God, we're talking about winning souls. That's our Husbands, our wives, our children, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, and even people we've never met before. They're the ones that we're seeking to win to Christ. We need to be fruit bearers in winning souls to Christ. But folks, I want us to understand that's not the only area in which we can bear fruit according to the Word of God. Again, we bear fruit when we are sharing with those who are in need. Where do you find that? Romans chapter 15, verses 25 through 28. As uh, uh, he speaks about the the, the giving, the, 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 the donations that were being made, it was to be delivered to them what has been collected, or again, reading from the King James Version, sealed to them this fruit. The fruit. Sharing with others who are in need. That's what they were to do back then with the people in Israel, the Christians in Jerusalem who were in need. So we bear fruit by by sharing. You know what? Sometimes it's easier to get Christians to bear fruit in that manner than it is to win souls. But folks, both are necessary. Both are our mission. 
And by helping those in need, sometimes we help to win those who are needing to hear the gospel. But how else? How else can I do that? It's not just these two ways. Folks, we're to bear fruit by developing Christ-like character in our own lives. How do you get that? Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. You ever heard of the fruit of the Spirit? And if you'll be back tonight, we'll talk about that a little, little bit more. The fruit of the Spirit. But we have to become more like Christ. We have to develop the qualities in our own lives that Christ has. And so we bear fruit by developing Christ-like character. But you know what? That's not the only way. Another way is by bearing fruit is by praising God and giving thanks to Him. Where do you get that one? Hebrews 13, verse number 15. It's there that the writer of the book of Hebrews talks about offering up a sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips. We bear fruit to God by worshiping Him, by praising His holy name. Good friends, you and I are to be fruit bearers. That's our mission that we have been given by God. But I want to ask you a question this morning. How are we ever going to be able to bear fruit for God? How are we going to do it? How will we bear, how will we accomplish the mission that God has given every one of us? How will we do it? I don't know if you noticed it or not, but the answer is in our reading this morning. It, it's in the book of John, chapter number 15. Look again, if you have your Bible, at verses 4 and 5. John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. You see, the only way that you and I will ever be fruit bearers is to allow God to help us. You see, God can take whatever it is that you have in your hand and providentially make it possible for you, for every one of us, to be fruit bearers in the kingdom of God. God can do that. You see, like Moses, God wants what is in our hand. He wants what we have in our hand. What resources has God blessed you with in your own life? And how are you using them? What's God blessed you with? You know, when we ask that, a lot of times the first thing that goes to our mind, comes to our mind, is money. Money. And the next thing that comes to our mind usually is this, I don't have much of it. i got to keep what i got because i got to take care of me. 
What resources has God blessed you with? Be honest. Be real with yourself. What has God blessed you in your life with? Not just money and possessions. And when you start thinking about that, don't minimize or overlook any of the resources or gifts that God has blessed you with in your life. What can you do? Can you talk? Can you sing? Can you read? Can you type? Can you write? Can you negotiate? Can you walk? Can you paint? Can you clean? Can you lift? Can you push? Can you drive? Can you knit? Can you run? Can you cut grass? Can you make people laugh? Can you be a listener? Many of those things people have in their hands and yet they never use them for God. What do you have in your life? Do you have position or influence or money or shoes or food or a home or a computer or books or knowledge or transportation or humility or compassion or empathy? And this list could go on indefinitely. But many never use them for the Lord. Good friends, maybe you have a computer keyboard in your hand. Reach out on social media like a man by the name of Paul Mays from Salem, Virginia. Some of you may have seen him on Facebook. Brother Mays, he writes songs. And he shares those songs on Facebook. And a lot of his songs have a very pointed message pointing people in the way of the cross. And you know what he does? When people respond to that, he responds back. And you know what he does? He sets up Bible studies over the internet and has been responsible for helping to convert a number of people. Brother Paul spoke at PTP Spark in Salem, Virginia. He's a member of the Salem congregation. He spoke and he talked about it. And he told about one guy that, that had been a member of a denomination and, and he had, they had conversed together over the internet and it had gotten pretty pointed and contentious and he said one Sunday morning he received a message, got a notification on his phone just as they were getting ready to worship. It was a message from this guy. Brother Paul said, I hated to look at it. I just cringed when I got it. I didn't know what was coming. He said, but he looked at it and said the guy talked about how hard it was to be wrong. And he realized he was wrong and he needed to be baptized for the remission of his sins. Do you have a computer keyboard in your hand or phone? Maybe you have in your hand a, an ink pen. An ink pen, what can an ink pen do? It can do a lot of things. The pen is mightier than the sword, or so it's said. But as you think about an ink pen, you know what? You could grade Bible correspondence courses, send them to others. You could write a note of encouragement and help them out. Maybe it's a postage stamp that you have in your hand. You could send cards for those, to those who are sick, to those who are uh, guests at services, to those who are needing some encouragement along the way. Maybe you have a phone in your hand. You know, used to, they were tied to the wall. These young people don't even remember when a phone was tied to the wall. Now you just stick it in your pocket. Well, most people don't even put it in their pocket. They're too busy holding it in their hand. 
Could we use that phone? Well, sure we could. We could call those who are sick. We could call visitors to our services. We could even encourage. Maybe you have a cookbook in your hand. Some are good cooks here. I've eaten some of your food. I know that. Maybe you could cook a dish or a meal for someone who needs it. Some may have a steering wheel in their hands that they might drive someone to a doctor's appointment or to church services. Some may have a weed eater in their hands helping the widows or others who may not be able to to do their own outdoor work and things of that nature. Some may simply have a prayer list in their hands. A prayer list of those who are sick, those who are in the hospital, those who are on hospice care, those who are in need in so many different ways. You could hold that list in your hand and lift up your voice to Almighty God, carrying the needs of these, some of which you may know, some you may not know, but carrying the needs of all of those into the very throne room of God because you're a Christian. Some may have a gospel tract in your hand, one that you pick up on the way out this morning, that you could share with someone and help them learn the gospel. Some might have a school book in their hands. They might be able to tutor others in in language or math or something of that nature, building a relationship with them where they might be able not only to teach them about math or or, uh, science or something like that, but to teach them the truth of God's Word. Some may have a basketball or a baseball in their hands that they might be able to guide young minds in the right way, building again relationships that would lead to being able to teach them the truth. Some might have a hammer in his or her hand that might be able to be used to help others in some way. And again, on and on and on we could go. We could spend a lot of time this morning. But what do you have in your hand this morning? You, you need to remember that God only wants what is in, what's in my hand. And that's talking about yourself. God wants what's in your hand. God doesn't ask you to give Him what's in somebody else's hand. God only wants what's in your hand. That's what God wants. He didn't tell Moses to go get a stick. He just said, Moses, what's in your hand? Moses said, I've got a staff. God doesn't ask you to to give what you don't already have in your hand. God does not need strength. He's almighty. He just wants and needs what you have in your hand. God doesn't need beauty. He only needs what is in your hand. God doesn't need intelligence. He only wants what is in your hand. God doesn't need talent. He just wants what's in your hand. God doesn't ask you to go off and and to get something in your hand so that you can give it back to Him. God just wants what's already in your hand. You may not think much of it. You may not think much of yourself. But brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't care what you've got in your hand this morning. God can use it and can use you to bear fruit. 
to fulfill the mission He has given every single one of us. Before we end our lesson this morning, I need to offer some caution. Be sure that you do not misuse what you have in your hand. Don't misuse it. In Numbers chapter 20, verses 8 through 12, we read again about Moses. And you know what we read in Numbers chapter 20, verses 8 through 12? We read about how the, the people of Israel murmured, how they talked about not having any water. Uh, we also read about Moses. And, and I want you to just go down to verse number 11 for the sake of time this morning. The Bible says in Numbers 20, verse 11, And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. And water came out of it abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as, as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. Moses, what did you do? God told Moses on this second occasion when he needed some water out of a rock, go talk to it. Just do what I said, go talk to it. You know what Moses did? He took the same staff with which he had struck it, uh, hit the rock before, and this time he hits it twice. God let the water come out, but Moses misused it. I don't know if it was just because he was angry that he let himself slip. But God said, Moses, <clears throat> you've got to hold me up. Moses, you didn't believe what I told you. Moses, you misused what you had in your hand that you had used so many times before. Many times we misuse what we have in our hands by not using what we have in our hands for the Lord. Every single person here this morning has something in your hand that you can use for Christ. Every one of us. Some use what's in their hand every day. But they never use it for Christ. What are you doing with what you have in your hand? What are you doing with it? What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with what's in your hand? If you don't give glory to God with it, are you going to use it for personal reasons? Are you going to use it to enrich yourself or... What are you going to use it for if you don't give it to God? Good friends, why not 
make it your aim. Every one of us. Make it our aim to give whatever it is we have in our hands to God this year. And let Him work through each one of us. If you were here last Sunday, you remember we talked about the God of so much more. God can take whatever it is in your hand and do more with it and with you than you ever dreamed possible. You see, He's God. He wants what you have in your hand to help you bear fruit. And just like He helped Moses bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, He wants to help you fulfill your mission when standing in this old earth doing His work. When you do stand before God and He looks and He says, what fruit have you borne with what's in your hand? What will you give Him? What, what will you say? How will you answer? If you're not using what you have in your hand, what a sad day. But good friends, if we're using what we have in our hands, not because of what we can do, but because of what God can do with us and with it through us, we might be able to look and to say, Father, I brought this one and this one and this one and this one to You. I talked to them about Your Word. Others followed my example because I was adding the fruit of the Spirit into my life. Others saw me and it made them want more of what I have. And they saw you living in me. They really saw you instead of me. What are you going to do? God told Moses, throw it down. And it became a serpent. Pick it up! Pick it up. Why do you want him to pick it up? Because that snake on the ground... Where it was, on a hillside, in front of a burning bush, was doing no good where it needed to be used, all the way back in Egypt. Take it in your hand. Oh, by the way, we read the verse, when Moses went back to Egypt, he took his wife, he took his sons, they rode on a donkey, and he took the staff of God with him. What's that in your hand? And how will you use it in 2019? It may be this morning that you need to be baptized for the remission of sins. It may be that you need to rededicate your life back to God. Whatever your need may be, if we can assist you, come right now.